its toll And in the name of flood control They made their plans and they drained the land Now the glades are going dry And the last time I walked in the swamp I sat up on a cypress stump I listened close and I heard the ghost Of Osceola cry The opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect that of WVFS Tallahassee. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. I'm your host, Luke Fay. It's the final meeting of the semester, and that means it is my last show of my FSU student career. I graduate on Friday, Gary, but don't fret. I'll be here for some encore shows during the holidays. But the big news here, Gary, is Florida State Athletics finally hired a new coach, and that is Memphis football head coach Mike Norvell for six years at $3.7 million a year. We, of course, will talk about that and debate the college football playoff rankings. It was a wild championship Saturday, so there's lots to go over. And in other news, Florida State news, that is, Florida State basketball split this past week's schedule against Indiana and Clemson. We'll have reaction on that. You can always call into the show at 850-644-1837. Tomahawk Talk starts right now, Gary, and it was an action-packed Saturday. Our uh, our predictions for who the head coach would be did not come to fruition. A lot of people said it was going to be Matt Campbell of Iowa State. Uh, a lot of, Everything pointed to him. It, it, it ends up being Mike Norvell, and coming out of that press conference, Gary, it seems like Florida State might have made the right decision. I like it where I like it where they're at right now. The Norvell hire was good, but we once again we were way wrong on the predictions. I know it came out Tuesday. It was like Tuesday afternoon or so that Campbell got his extension at Iowa State. Yep. So that was really a smack in the face right there for all of us because I'm pretty sure three out of four said uh, Campbell. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't think anyone said Mike Norvell. No one said Norvell from what that, I remember. That almost felt like a settle, mm-hmm. but. Just sitting through that press conference, uh, it, a lot of people said they wanted to go through, go go to war, run through walls. Mm-hmm. Um, at times, it, it got a little bit out of hand, but you know what? It, it was it was a great press conference. Unlike, or was it the semester flew by? But that press conference and the coaching search in general <laughs> was not. long. That it was not. about a thirty minute pre- uh, press conference between Coburn or Ad Coburn. President Thrasher and Norvell, well, that was a long time. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was, and uh, we're, we're glad that it's over. That's all I can Finally. say. Uh, well, we have an action-packed show. Uh, as I said, we'll have three other panelists here. Uh, we'll, we'll start with Jake Mossing. Jake, you were at the basketball game. You saw the reception that Mike Norvell got at halftime. What, what was the moment like there? It was pretty great. As soon as it was announced that he was coming into the building, everyone got really excited. The word spread really fast, and... As soon as he walked onto the court, there is immediate excitement from everyone, and it's it's obviously been a long time coming. So, Florida State um, is happy to have a new head coach. I know that everyone else is happy that it's over, Jake. That's that's for sure. But uh, Tyler, let's let's talk about Florida State and, and where their bowl game situation ha- has been put in your home state of Texas in the Sun Bowl. What what do you expect from that? Uh, will you be making the trip over there? Um, I most likely will. Um, it's it's about an eight-hour drive uh, from where I live in Texas, um, and so I'll probably make that uh, trek uh, New Year's Eve. 
uh, probably actually the day before, and then uh, stay there, watch them beat the Sun Devils. Uh, and then make my way back and have a happy New Year's. That's that is a proclamation if I've ever heard one. I'll, I'll Sounds say like we already got one prediction in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if we'll do predictions today, but no, that, I think that might a be a good start. <laughs> and of course, our our last panelist uh, this this will be Sebastian Angel Riano. Sebastian, Florida State makes the hire. How long was this process for you? sitting here and waiting for 35 days to find out who was going to succeed Willie Taggart. I was really starting to get worried, you know. As soon as they announced the firing, they said, we'll have we'll have somebody ready by the end of the month. The end of the month came, the end of the month went, and we had no one. Um, also, side note, I'm a little disappointed that we're not doing predictions. I was really looking forward to my last unorthodox Gary pick of the year. Hey, yeah, well, hey, we can that. do predictions because we won't be on most likely during the winter break. Maybe, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll throw you guys some predictions. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. The, don't forget, though, the last person to predict that wasn't in the station, Jay Sutton, he got Jay the score Sutton. completely maybe, correct. Maybe I'll sit this one out and then call in later on. <laughs> hey, maybe. That might be the move. That call, might be the move. I can't call wait from, to roll my eyes at it, Gary. Oh, God. Well, guys, let's let's get into the hire. Florida State hires Mike Norvell out of Memphis. Uh, from from what we heard, Matt Campbell most likely declined the job. Uh, President Thrasher said he never offered the job to someone who who wouldn't accept it. Wh- whatever that meant, mm-hmm. um, we we all know that Mike Norvell was not the first choice. Might have been the third or fourth, but he has a good track record. Gary, thirty eight and fifteen, twenty five and three at home. Uh, that those those are those are type of records that Florida State really saw in the 2010s to 2015s, and and now is trying to get back to that greatness. Mm-hmm. And that's what stands out when you look at that. It's the home record, especially. That's I didn't yep. know that until we mentioned it earlier before the show. But being able to dominate at home is huge for Florida State. At least they've been losing some of those big games at home. They lost they lost both two years in, or the last two times to Miami at home. Yep. They lost to Clemson at home. They lost to Florida at home. Those are the ones you need to win at home. So, seeing that is a bit of a little bit of reassurance, but we'll see where it goes from here. And we mentioned it. Florida State has been zero and eight against rivals in the last two years. It's not a good record. And if you want something to change, you have to make a change. Mm-hmm. And as as we heard earlier, Ad Coburn he said six and six, frankly, is is not good enough. Mm-hmm. And just sitting from uh, you know from from the press conference, looking at it from from our perspective. It it seemed different than than the Willie Taggart one. Willie, it, he almost seemed like, and and I've talked to people about this is when when you hire a quiet coach, you want to get you want to get a loud coach. When you hire a loud coach, you want to get a, a quiet coach. Mm-hmm. You get the polar opposite. Taggart was more reserved in a player's coach. Mike Norvell seemed like no nonsense, Gary. No, and that's I, that's what I liked about it from the get go. He was loud he was emphatic in everything that he was saying i compared him almost to a baptist preacher yeah so i mean if that says anything for you guys at home i don't know that's pretty much that's pretty much the kind of the feelings that i got from him but uh, i i think i liked it what i saw yeah i i liked it as well and and we'll we'll see where it heads but we'll, we'll go over to jake mossing your initial reaction to that press conference and and some of the reaction was positive but others you saw a couple of players tweeting out and and not really liking how the move was handled yeah I don't think that's the best route for players to go right now I think everyone needs to hop on the boat be involved and support the coach we don't know what's going to happen and the biggest thing for me right now is that Auburn's offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham he's already agreed to come to FSU obviously that was solely because Norvell is the new head coach and they used to work together at previous schools and I think that's a huge thing that Norvell is doing. He's going to build a coaching staff around him. What What does that bring? What What does Kenny Dillingham bring to Florida State um, other than Kendall Bryles, which Florida State had had and, and a lot of fans wanted to keep? He obviously has a lot of recruits that he's been working with at Auburn. Um, I've heard a few names here and there, some big four or five stars that he's going to continue talking to in his move at Florida State. And at his time at Auburn, he's obviously kept the offense doing really well. Uh, not as good as they wanted to do this season, but they're still they've still been a top twenty team. Tyler, looking at the Florida State team that is, that is being assembled, it seems like uh, Coach Norvell is going to try to start with a clean slate. There were when when Willie Taggart brought in his guys, they weren't necessarily the number one people he wanted. Try to make uh, decisions in year two, and that didn't work out. Trying to fix what what he had what he had made really it was his own problem. Mike Norvell comes in, and he's only going to keep. As of right now, we have Odell Hagens. Um, there are a couple of coaches that are rumored to be hired as well. 
why is it important that Kendall Browse is is not a part of this program and and there is a queen slate? Well, it's all about the just just making sure that uh, Norvell has his people. And I think that's uh, something that he'll be able to do, especially with the uh, amount of money that Florida State was able to get him at. He'll be able, they'll be able to use some of that money that they they might have included in the contract for a bigger name coach and go out and get some of the, the good offensive and defensive coordinators that Norvell wants. And I think it's very important that Bryles moves on because you, you've got to have Norvell's people. It's going to be his system. It's going to be his type of uh, leadership. So you've got to have that, make sure that it's his people. So, Sebastian, looking at the hire, is there anything that worries you going, in, going into this situation? I think it's too early to worry about anything. Let, let us have uh, a honeymoon period. Uh, the media, uh, the fans, everybody here in Tallahassee um, about this hire. Um, I heard a lot of lip service at that uh, press conference, uh, which is fine. You, you know, you want to you wanna sell yourself on, on the fan base that you're trying to lead into, um, hopefully, like uh, Tyler said, the promised land, uh, which, which is I think everybody wants to see that. Um, but is it too quick to just sitting through this press conference decide we need to win right away? No, uh, because the expectation was with Louie Taggart he was going to win right away. He said it wasn't going to take time, whereas Mike Norvell kind of take more took more of a broader approach, right, Gary? That's what, what I like. Uh, yeah, I like it that he came out and said, "Hey, it's not going to be immediate. It's ridiculous to ask for immediate results like an, a ten win season result because that's." I don't, I don't think we're going to see like top fifteen, uh, a top fifteen seed next December for Florida State. Mm-hmm. Florida State is not going to an NY six bowl, but I think a seven win and uh, an eight nine win season is fine. Um, but is that feasible? What, what I don't for, think I don't think an eight for, nine win season is feasible, or even in the question at the promise. moment. promise. That, that's yeah, what we're talking that, about. I mean, it's and ridiculous not to, to promise, set yourself up to I fail. Think, I think it's. I mean, reach it's, for the stars, and if you don't land, you're still on the top of the world, right? Well, see, that's no, that's terrible well, because what okay. did Willie what did Willie Taggart reach for, and and where did he is not on the top of the world? You I could mean, argue he reached the for the stars with a bottle rocket, Luke. I, you know, I, I, I say this, I'll, I'll say this, you know, Mike Norvell, given the system that, that he has brought to Memphis and, and the winning culture, what he has done, he has done more with less. And, and that's something that you have to see. This Florida State team was hampered by injuries and, and you can argue that they, they lost a year of, of, of getting better, of maturing. Mm-hmm. And, and now seeing that they have a coach that really, this is not a player's coach, Gary. That's, that's the big thing I want to stress. It's not a player's coach. And so you'll see where these players, you know, are, are going to be a little bit more fearful, better yeah. discipline. Now, maybe not in penalties, but in play. That's, yeah. that's, you know, the personal fouls is the one thing that, that Florida State needs to quell. We, and, we know that. Yeah, and that's something he also harped on. It was, fo- it was also focus. He wanted them to be focused the whole time during the game. And because obviously that's something that happens whenever you have a ton of penalties that come along. It's because it could be loss of focus. And a lot of the time with those kind of lining up in the wrong spot and all that. It's a lack lack of focus. But I also want to get to one other thing before we get off Norvell. I, a few weeks ago when we had Michael Hudak from WCTV on the show, I asked, are we going to see the same kind of theatrics that we saw when Willie Taggart was first announced with him them parading coach to all the different places around campus doing mm. all the different things? Because Taggart did go to a basketball game. He did have the big uh, kind of welcoming outside the stadium. Yep. And they kind of did it again. And even though we all agreed on the fact that it was going to be a no and they weren't going to do all the theatrics, I they did it. They, with the one thing that really struck me was how big the entrance was in the stadium. It was it was almost too grand. It was Willie huge. Taggart, Willie Taggart's was you know all the fans came mm-hmm. out. This was a lot quieter celebration. You could, uh, I mean, at least it wasn't Lane Kiffin esque, which that that was out of control over at Ole Miss. Yeah, but I know Tyler had a point that he like wanted to get to. Yeah, Tyler, you had a you had a point. Yeah, you to get so to. we were talking about you know him expecting to be to win right away, and I don't expect him to go 10, 11 win seasons, but I do expect a seven, eight win season. And you and I, the reason I do is because Taggart was about a few games away from being at a seven, eight win season. You know, you lost a close game yep. to Boise State, you lost a close game to Virginia, you lost a close game to Wake Forest, and they had the team. I felt like this year to do that, and I actually predicted them to have about eight wins. So I think the coaching is the difference there. And so mm-hmm. you have Mike Norvell mm-hmm. come in, and you have some of those recruits. Uh, and I think, you know, Jeff Sims will be playing a big part in that next year. Okay, that's um, that's bold. I don't even know if yeah, he'll end up at Florida State. Here. Well, that's, okay. That's the thing. We're not going to have some of the same players here that we— He's still committed. 
No, yeah, he's still committed at the moment, but I'm just saying there's going to be some guys that Knighton, he left. Knighton's not going to be here. He went to Miami. Akers probably won't. Cam Akers probably won't be here. Uh, Kalen Labor might not be here. Tamari James Blackman might not be here. Tamarion Terry might but not be here. Be able, you know, That's four State, huge names. Florida State might be able to pull some people from Auburn, like Jake was saying. Might be yeah. able to pull some people mm-hmm. from Memphis. That Where you could get better. Committed. I, I, I yeah, like so that argument. That's that. That's my argument. Is we Florida State was a few penalties and and bad plays away from being an eight win uh, team last year. And, and so that's where I'm saying is the discipline and the the fire that I saw out of Mike Norvell could be the difference in in that and 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 we could see a Florida State team that's seven or eight wins uh next year. No, I agree with that. Coaching can make the big difference, but ultimately it's what that roster is going to look like come open the first weekend in Atlanta. I think that Florida State did I mean Jake, you can you can touch on this, but Florida State might have done the worst they could have done on this schedule i mean they left so much on the bone yeah i completely agree there was a lot of close games down the stretch that they were actually handed the game especially in the virginia game all those penalties they drove right down the field they definitely should have won that game but along with that what tyler i want to refute what you're saying a little bit is because like gary said we're getting a lot of new players players are leaving a lot of new recruits are coming in along with that all the coaching staff is turning over so there's a learning curve to all that. People are learning how, how the team coaches, how to interact with each other. So I'm going to give it a season before I expect eight or nine wins. Exactly. And I made the mistake when Willie Tiger came into town. It was I was on the train for immediate results. It's going to happen. Mm. And then I got slapped in the face. Yeah, no, and that, that's that's true. I, I, I was more of the you, you shouldn't expect them to win 10 games right away because that's not realistic. I mean – Luke, I was on Luke Hazen can argue that it is realistic with Florida winning ten games in Dan Mullen's first year, but nevertheless, you, you look at Willie Taggart. I, I said eight games would be good. I, I was expecting it, eight or nine. Yeah, when he and, first came and he didn't he didn't get it done. And looking back at this, I know that a lot of people there was you know does he deserve the job? He didn't have a winning record. Well, Mike Norvell has a winning record. Mm-hmm. What type of timetable will you end up giving him? That's that's what I want to know. Right. I would like I said earlier, I think I'm I'm gonna wait a year or even two years before he gets accustomed to the staff, to his players, everyone's on the same page because his coaching style is a complete one eighty from Taggart's and that's takes a lot of adjusting to get to. Um, yeah. And I agree that with what Jake said. Like I'm just putting out there that I felt like Maybe with the right coaching this year, we might have been, or Florida State might have been an eight-win season or eight-win team, uh, and maybe next year they could be an eight-win eight-win team. But looking at the schedule, you know they got West Virginia and Boise State out of conference, not to mention Flor- the Florida Gators as well. So definitely going to be a a tough task next year. Um, and then I also wanted to put uh, something out there with the fanfare uh, and the you know coming mm-hmm. into yeah. the stadium. Yeah, let's get back to that. Um, you know. I felt like this was necessary almost. You kind of had, you know, you had that what month period after it was so depressing. Yeah, it almost so felt depressing, embarrassing. And, you yeah. could add, and so I felt like it was almost necessary to have that uh, fanfare, and and I actually enjoyed it, and I didn't mind it. I don't, you know, I just hope that people's expectations aren't as high with Norvell right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, than that, that they were with Taggart. I was fine with the basketball game, not w- with Taggart and Norvell, but the, the fo- band, the that band was on the way... field, that was a lot for me, in my opinion. Listen, I, I think for most uh, for most fans here at Florida State, they're not asking for world uh, a world beating team year one. Uh, if anybody have you is on, asking, have you for been that, on Twitter? They clearly, <laughs> yeah. have not learned the lesson that we should have learned with Willie Taggart. But you can't look at the 2020 schedule and say that you can't hang with eight or nine of these teams. I don't know, man. Boise State, for, Boise, Boise State came in. Good. Boise State I, came I've in. I've already and taken Hank, three teams off. I, I, I say will nine be specifically. Back for Boise. <laughs> I say nine teams specifically because I knock off three names immediately off the list: the Clemson Tigers, the Boise, uh, Boise State Broncos, and yes, the Florida Gators. As much as it burns me to say that. You're the gonna... other, the entire season ensuing that are teams that Florida State can hang with. Um, you've got Pitt at home, which would be a challenge, but you've got that uh, dominant winning, winning um, at home play style that uh, Norvell uh, brings brings to the team. Yes, you do play. You play Louisville on the road. Louisville's on the come up now with Satterfield. He's doing a good job over there. They're Louisville playing is good a ball. deeper hole they than just, Florida State was this year. Louisville just stole. Uh, was it Ryan? Or, Ryan Griffiths. Yeah, Ryan Griffiths just. I think it's his yeah, name. big country just went over to Louisville. <laughs> so, but I mean, and we can argue about this schedule all we want. Yeah, but we what, got a whole. We got uh, a yeah, long time got, to do that. We got a long time to do that. 
but what it comes down to is was this the right fit and for for everyone that that has been trying to figure out yes no maybe so i i i have to say i feel pretty good about him we're going to play a little quip to give you an idea of of how energizing uh, coach norvell can be playing fast because most people talk about playing fast and we're going to do that but if you don't play smart, then you can play fast going in the wrong direction and you're going backwards. We're gonna have a team that understands that our knowledge will be our greatest talent. And then we're gonna play fast because of the confidence of who we are, what we do, how we train, and the unbelievable skill that we're gonna recruit here to be able to showcase these great players and individuals. That was Mike Norvell and and Gary, you you had mentioned on Twitter that almost felt like a little bit of of a shot where he said we're gonna play fast, but we're gonna play smart because if if you're playing fast and not smart, you know that you're you aren't gonna go, get anything done. Yeah, and he mentioned also that they they went the wrong direction when they tried to play too fast, and it really did feel like a shot across the bow at Willie Taggart. There, honestly, it did. They had a common opponent in Louisiana Monroe, mm-hmm. and I mean Louisiana Monroe played probably one of the toughest schedules in the entire country if you look back at it. And Memphis hanged a 50-burger on yeah, Louisiana they, Monroe and didn't even need overtime. Yeah, they beat the, Memphis beat ULM 52-33. to 33. And, and Florida State at home could not handle he UN. Barely eked out a win. Yeah, and, and, and overtime. Yeah. And, and so a lot of people say, you know, he, he looked at that ULM game mm-hmm. and still decided to come to Florida State. That's a big thing right there. He understands that this process isn't going to be easy, Gary, and we can talk about that all we want, but it truly is not going to be easy. No, and nothing's easy. Like college football, anything in sports, when you're starting from building ground up, it's not easy. Like I mentioned it a few a while back ago, it's kind of like the Miami Marlins. You're rebuilding, you're reloading. you yeah. got to try and come up from nothing. It's the same thing. And, I, Jake, we you can touch on this a little bit, but listening to that, that press conference, a lot of people got fired up, energized, what do you think this will do for the players? We mentioned how some players have mixed reviews. You know, you you heard Corey Durden said, "I didn't sign up for three coaches in three years," and uh, I, I think Jaden Woodby said, "Why why didn't you tell us first? It, it was it kind of felt pretty negative in that aspect. Where other people you heard said the meeting was amazing and and whatnot. A lot of people say if you didn't sign up for three coaches in three years, play better. Is that an argument that people have should have? I don't think so. I think a lot of it was Taggart's staff and his coaching ability, and I understand where their frustration is coming from. Obviously, players don't want to have three coaches. And along those lines, I think once these players get around Norvell a little more and talk with him and see what he's all about and see how his coaching style is different from Taggart's, they will be on board. Let's be honest. There are going to be allegiances within these factions. When you take over a coaching staff, really you are a Willie Taggart player, a Jimbo Fisher player, or a Mike Norvell player. And that's the one thing that Florida State has not been able to manage is is not necessarily who's who, but but really the egos in the room. And that's that's overcome a lot of stuff here. Florida State needs to get that figured out. Exactly. And then with that, building off that, the three coaches in three years comment, it kind of sets players up for a possible future in the NFL and shows you kind of, hey, this is a business. It's not about like it's not about being friends right now. It's playing to win. And in the NFL, if they end up making it there, you're going to have coaching turnovers. You're going to have new guys come in. You're going to have new GMs that want to clean house to yep. get their guys in there. So it really shows some guys like, hey, this is what this business is, and you got to learn to deal with it. And you can either mo- like cry about it or you can shut up and work. Tyler, what is the biggest thing that Mike Norvell needs to do when, when coming into this program to, to clean up the mess that, that was left by Willie Taggart? Um, well, he said it in his press conference, uh, instill discipline. Um, you know, you gotta you gotta make sure that these players come out there and don't make boneheaded mistakes, um, and don't uh, you know get cocky and celebrate. Uh, what a what was it? A celebrate a, a defensive sack or what was it? Like a, a a play for three yards or something yeah. like that. I don't know. I don't know. Austin always references it. Um, but anyway, just instill dis- discipline and make sure that um, <clears throat> that uh, he gains the confidence of the locker room. Um, I think that's big. Um, yeah. So. Well, guys, we've talked a lot about the Mike Norvell hire, and and we'll figure out what he does in recruiting. I know that that's the aspect. The early signing period, he was he was uh, asked that a couple of times. Will he coach the bowl game 
for for uh, Memphis. Memphis that there's no way he's coaching the the bowl game for. You really Florida don't think State. he's going to go? Oh, oh, you're yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I thought you were about to say no, there's no, no, no chance he could. Pe- okay, people people said that, but if you want if you want to get into that argument, Scott Frost he went and signed with with the Nebraska Huskers and ended up coaching in the bowl game. Nebraska was not in a bowl game that year, so it, that part didn't necessarily matter. But he was actively uh, recruiting for Nebraska, then coached the UCF's bowl game. They end up beating Auburn. Do you think that there is a positive of having your head coach out there in a New York Six game trying to win this game? I think there's positives and negatives to it. I I never really thought about your point there, but yeah, if if you have a coach like that who goes out there in a big game that's national TV, everyone's watching, recruits are watching, and your your coach gets that win. That's huge for recruiting. I like it. I think he. Sh- I really do believe he should be coaching this game against Penn State in the Cotton Bowl on December twenty eighth. And like Jake said, it will really help our recruiting. It can give. It can even give us as fans some like a better way to see him on a big stage against a big opponent. It almost gives you something to root for too, which mm-hmm. is which is something that Florida State fans haven't had. Uh, been able to is root for a significant bowl game in a number of years. Exactly. And well, not I mean since the Orange Bowl when Florida State played Michigan. That was 2016. It's yeah. been a number of years. I know. Gary. I was a senior in high school. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not good. But I I, li- I like the idea. I know that they're going to have to figure it out in administration and whatnot, and it may be awkward because the interim head coach might end up becoming the head coach and and the contrasting styles. But to me, this is where you get you get the recruits. Basis. And and the other way is, is Tyler, and I, you can get it into this, is it's an audition for the players. The players can see their coach in action in, in a big-time bowl game and say, you know what, I, I can fight for this guy. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and I can see that. Um, you know, you you'll if especially if they win against Penn State, uh, I think that's big. You know, you got to go out there and, and show the Compete. Compete, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I also want to give the other side of the coin here. You know, <clears throat> you have him going out there in the New Year's Six Bowl. Could you also make the the point that he might need to start go ahead and get started now on winning that locker room? The players that are going to be here at next mm-hmm. year for Florida State go out there and coach them for what thirty days now. I'm sure. Like, how far are we? Now, I think we like, get fifteen practices. Fifteen practices in between what the bowl game and now. Uh, go out there, continue to to lead this team and and see you know what they can achieve versus Arizona. I know a small sample size, Arizona State. But I think it's important, so I can see both sides of the coin, important to go out there and win the trust and, and that locker room before next year starts. And and that is a good point, trying to win that locker room. And, and overall, we, we won't know what Mike Norvell picks until he picks. Uh, and you can argue back and forth, but one of the good things that I saw, and and there was you know, a lot of sadness when, when you go back to the situation, because the exact same thing happened to UCF. You go back to that situation, Scott Frost leaving, the reports – um, I, I didn't like the reporter asking him, hey, are you going to uh, you're gonna go to Florida State right after the win? But the one thing that I got from that, Gary, is the players love him. And they were excited for his next step in his journey. He had spent four years at Memphis. It wasn't like he was there for a year or two and jumped ship. They were rooting for him. And I, I that's something to say if you're a Florida State football player, what you're going to get out of a man. Mm-hmm. And it for the players, like it's kind of honestly cool to see your coach or see him kind of take that next step and sh- it's like, and like him going to the nfl exactly you know, yeah that, op- it's that like, opposite step you know? exactly yeah it's like for him like when he sees his players get drafted it's the opposite it's the inverse for them like they get to see him kind of move up and keep going yeah it's it's good to see and we'll we'll figure it out uh i know you wanted to say yeah, one more thing i just Tyler, feel like it's a break. little different from ucf in the sense that you know scott frost had a bowl game but nebraska didn't and you know, I yeah. feel like it's just a little bit different. You know, we're play- I don't want to say comparing apples and oranges. I want to say like oranges and nectarines. Yeah, um, yeah. like because <clears throat> it is like there's more on the line. I there's agree. more yeah. on the line, and and if you don't choose to go and coach Florida State, I think there's some repercussions that come from that. And I think if you don't go and choose to coach Memphis in the New Year Six Bowl, there's some repercussions. So I think it's really a lose lose because or and and a win win because then you get recruiting uh, aspect, but you also then you don't get that that. It is, with but the, with the Norvell, coach. he wouldn't be coaching in the Sun Bowl. There's no chance. No, no, no. That. But he's yeah. he's saying go he's, and practice. That's oh, what I mean. oh, yeah. that okay. That, that okay. he's already working. I was about to say, okay. you know, the the awkwardness of you know he he already put on the colors you know garnet and gold, and now yeah. he's going to go over and, and put, and on, put, put on, on put on Memphis colors, and then that really just shows like kind of like a 
I don't know, like a torn between two schools, but they're yeah, not yeah, I see really. That. So I don't know. I'm just a little like hesitant on both sides. Like I can see both sides of the argument. Yeah, that's a fair um, point. So. Yeah, it, it's 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 fine to be wary. We will. We're about halfway through the show, so we will step aside. You're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. Welcome back to V89. Tomahawk Talk on the voice of Florida State. This is WVFS Tallahassee. Did it all backwards there, Gary. But we're going to get into some college football playoff talk. And 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 we, first, before we jump in there, Gary, I want to talk about the coaching carousel and, and where all these coaches have landed. I know the big one that, that fell earlier this week was Lane Kiffin from FAU to Ole Miss. Can you give us a rundown of all the coaches? All right. For the rest of the nation, we got... From Old Dominion, Ricky Rain, Ron, is that his name? Coming in there take, to lead the Monarchs. We'll go with it. Yeah. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz uh, leaving Appalachian State. After heading, one year. Heading on over to Mizzou, taking on, leading the Tigers. Uh, Sam Pittman, former Georgia O-line coach, is now going to be the head coach of the Arkansas Razorbacks. Mike Norvell, obviously, now in Florida State. Lane Kiffin is leaving the FAU for Ole Miss and Oxford, the Lane Train making its way down there. Jimmy Lake, obviously, is now the head coach of Washington. Chris Peterson will get his final game as head coach of Washington. We'll get to that later. That's, that'll and be a good he one. will be playing, that's a fun game. Greg Schiano in at Rutgers. And then we still got, uh, no, actually, we got uh, Jeff Scott, uh, Clemson co-offensive coordinator, taking over at USF. That was announced yep. today. And yeah. then, for the I, most part, everything yeah. else is pretty wide open. BC still an opening. Colorado State. Butch Davis rumored to be at Colorado State. I saw that. That was an interesting one. New Mexico State, UNLV, UTSA. And now App State has a vacancy that they got to fill. Wow. 
It's uh, keeps going round and round. It, it does keep going round and round. FAU has that vacancy to fill, yes, and they uh, do. we we do know the rumors are pointing Kendall Brow is no longer with the Florida State program. He could jump over to FAU or go over to Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin and that and his former coworker there. Uh, it's it's wild the coaching it's, carousel here in college football. It's I got to tell you what, uh, but let's let's go over a championship Saturday. That's that's the big thing that happened this week, and we forgot to preview it earlier on, but. A lot of games, Gary, and I, I think mean, the biggest one was on Friday. Actually, yeah, in yeah. my opinion, that that's the one that shaped, and and, and we'll talk about that. Utah falls to Oregon, thirty-seven to fifteen. Oklahoma outlasted Baylor in overtime, thirty to twenty-three. Appalachian State beat Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns, forty-five to thirty-eight. Memphis beat Cincinnati, twenty-nine twenty-four. Georgia was smacked by LSU, thirty-seven to ten. It really wasn't even close. Boise State won against Hawaii, thirty-one to ten. Clemson throttled Virginia, sixty-two to seventeen. And Ohio State, the surprise really of the entire weekend. Ohio State rallying from a dismal start to beat Wisconsin, thirty-four to twenty-one. Gary, I know you want to start with Oregon uh, beating Utah, thirty-seven to fifteen. The big argument coming into this weekend was if Oregon or if Utah wins, who makes a playoff? thinking that Oklahoma would win as well. And really, we didn't have to have that answer, did we? No, we didn't have to have the conversation. We didn't have to have the endless arguments. This was, it felt like a pretty calm uh, announcement for the playoff and all that on Sunday, but that was all because of the way Utah played, and they just let down. They let down the entire conference, you could say that. I said, uh, Gary, I said this earlier, I said, Tyler Huntley is not good. He is not a good passer. And And people were arguing with me saying, no, Grant. I didn't watch enough Utah football to argue with you on that because it's he's, tough he, to watch. He Utah. can't. He can't pass the football, and no matter how good your defense is, you know, defense does win championships, but you still got to move the ball down the field. And Oregon, the defense has, didn't show up for Utah. Oregon not only had a defense, but came out with the offense and Justin Herbert. Exactly. Uh, was it Utah only scored 15 points in this game, and they were all in the third quarter. It was brutal, and so. Uh, the, one of the one of the key things that I that I saw in that game, Jake, I, I don't know if you got to catch the game, but Kalen Thibodeau, I believe, is his pr- pronunciation. One of the number one players in the country last year. It came down to Oregon and Florida State. He goes to Oregon and had a massive game for them, blocking a punt and and really causing disruption all over the field against Utah. Yeah, that that hurts if you're you're a Florida State fan seeing him do so well out there. And I think going into the weekend, a lot of people knew that Georgia was going to lose to LSU they know how dominant LSU has been this whole season and expect it again so basically in my mind for Utah all they had to do was win out and they had a strong argument to go to the playoffs Tyler looking at the game Utah versus Oregon Utah had something to prove and I know you have been a backer for for the the lower the lower people in in the league you know if Utah wins this game they deserve to be in the playoffs is, is what I've heard from you time and time again looking at this does this hurt you know, the, the lower-level, non-name brand football schools in the future? Oh, for sure. You know, you have teams like, uh, you know, that are on the lower end of even Power 5 conferences yep. that, you know, might have good uh, seasons, anomaly seasons that, you know, you're not used to. And then you go in and, you know, then you really question. You really question, were they really that good? Or was their, was their schedule that week? Did they get it lucky a few times? People would say know? that about Baylor. Yeah, Baylor. You know, and TCU a couple yeah. of years ago. And so I think it really does hurt the – it continues to hurt them in the playoff conversation, especially when you're looking from a committee standpoint. You know, they're sitting around in a room and they're talking, well, you know, are they like this team from like two years ago? You know, did they are, they got the similar schedule and then they, then they lose this game and then they win their conference championship. Are they really that good? Should we put them – there's only four spots. So, yeah, I do think it hurts them uh, in the long run. Sebastian? The consideration that these smaller schools get is still better than the system that we had before. Um, I was looking at the uh, calculations by the old uh, BCS computers because they're still running. Uh, Bama is still at least a a rank four in, I think, two of the calculations out of the six which I find, frankly, ridiculous. It couldn't be better, uh, no question, but it sure is a lot better than what we used to have. You you mentioned those systems, and and this is what the college football playoff was built for, was was to figure out not only who the best team in the country is, but but some of these guys aren't in the top two. And you would have had it, Gary, where Clemson would not be in the college football playoff if we had the BCS system. It would have been 
LSU versus Ohio State, and and this has happened before when Auburn went undefeated and LSU won the national championship, and it, it's it's it is one of those things where you look back and go, you know, wow, that that is that is not how it should be, and you're glad to see this happen. But should there be should there be more more teams in the playoff? Yeah, yes. in more teams in the playoff, yes, I think it should at least be eight teams. I believe I think eight's the right number for this, where you can get some variation, where you get. At least the, some of the top two teams, maybe from each conference or uh, the big conferences, and then you work in a couple of the smaller conferences, the Group of Fives, a UCF bid if that were to ever happen, or Memphis. Some of those schools could get a chance to showcase their stuff against these top programs, but it's not the way it is right now, and we all can't complain about it really. I agree with Gary. There's definitely got to be an expansion in the next few years. I was thinking, uh, you know, the. Top, I see Luke Hazen over there shaking his head. Uh, <laughs> at the top five, uh, top uh, teams from each conference. Whoever wins their championship, you're in. That's what I've I've always believed in. Mm-hmm. If you can win your conference, you deserve to be in the playoff picture. And then you have two wild card teams, teams that you know didn't win their their championship, but they were really good. They were really good throughout the season. Um, and then you maybe throw in like a wild card like Boise State or well, One of them should State. be the best group of five school. I'm sorry? One of them should be the best group of five school. Like it would be Memphis this year because yeah. Memphis is going into playing the Cotton well, Bowl. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think they would have that, that you could have made a strong argument for Memphis going in there and, and being the because they're the top ranked team. You could make them, you know, an eighth seed and mm-hmm. they got to play the number one team. If they can beat the best team in college football, then why not? Yeah, give them a shot. Give them a shot. Crazy that would have been uh, that would have been something that UCF really could have, uh, you know, played off of. And, and I, that's where I think you know they didn't get a shot to to be national champions or mm-hmm. t- try to make make their statement. And a lot of, a lot of people said if if in, in a hypothetical if 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 McKenzie Milton didn't go down, they win that game against LSU and go undefeated. You could say you know they slide into that number four spot. That did not happen, but you can see. Things inching and inching along, but it really was a statement, Gary, when they ranked Memphis, who only has one loss, 17. I mean, mm-hmm. they didn't even move. No, they didn't give them their got respect. Three loss teams in front of them. That mm-hmm. I just, um, those are the things that you're fighting against if you're a group of five team. And if you want if you want to get somewhere, you're, you're going to have to make that next step. Mm-hmm. And regarding Memphis, do you think the committee really looked at these this double win against Cincinnati? Because they beat them uh, last week of the regular season, and then they beat them this week in the conference title game. Do you really think they just looked at it and said, it's just one win at that point? Because it really feels like they did. You know, I I can't I can't say yeah. I, I don't really know. No, I'm just saying from a feel like a, from a feel and just like kind of a, the vibes that you're getting from them, it it did seem that way. I know that I I, I want to say that Oklahoma has looked like the most inferior team in the top four. Oh um, yeah, for sure. And and that that's one thing that I look forward to is how they'll go up against LSU. LSU is a flat out better team. But what I want to see is how Clemson's going to perform because they mm-hmm. have played this is no their, one. This is all their year. first real test. This is really their first real test. And Dabo Swinney said earlier in the year he said. This is the first team since 1966 to to be undefeated and and be ranked number three and bought, and and you go back and you go wow uh, wasn't Florida State like that in 2014 yeah the first year of the playoff maybe huh yeah. <laughs> I I do want to make a uh, I do want to make a correction I misspoke LSU won the national championship in 2003 mm-hmm. so but there was a year when when Auburn uh, was undefeated and was not a part of the BCS it's, yeah so. It, it was 2004. I got that part right, but it wasn't because I was like, LSU and Auburn are in the same conference. They're going to play each other. Either way, though, lo- looking at this whole field, who has the most to win in this national championship for, for recognition? Who do you think has the most to win? I think LSU does for sure. Just seeing how passionate Joe Burrow is about football. If you think of a football guy, I think of Joe Burrow. And watching him in the game against Georgia, he took off for a 15-yard game and got smoked by a Georgia defender. And he got up and he shook his head and smiled and was excited that he picked up the first down for his team. So I think I think he wants it more than any player. And obviously he's a Heisman finalist now. And I think LSU will probably take it. Tyler, when when Joe Bur or excuse me, when Ed Orgeron was first hired with LSU, uh, the first two years were 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 not. You know, people wanted more and thought maybe he, they had made the wrong choice. Ozron flopped at Ole Miss. He really rallied the troops over at USC for the Trojans. He comes in this year with a lot to prove and hits it out of the park. A lot of people were pointing to Odell Hagens as 
a, a figure that, that was similar to Ed Orgeron. Do you think that Ed, Ed Orgeron, what he has been able to do in, in his couple of years at LSU, kind of helps those type of coaches get jobs in the future? Yeah. I or, think, or is he you know one of those one-hit wonders? No, I, th- I think it, it does. But you also have to take into fact, Ed Orgeron's a Louisiana guy, born and raised. He is a LSU – he's a knoll. I mean, not a knoll, a, a tiger. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that you go back to what Odell is, he's a knoll. And so you could make the argument that, you know, maybe – if what a Florida State had hired Odell, and then you go and you know what what could he have done? But I think it does it does help out those coaches in the future, those coaches that are uh, you know born and raised those you know either fans or coaches of that team, um, and that are in that every put way in that work that yeah they embody what the team means. I think it does help. Yeah, Sebastian, looking at the Clemson score, they just crushed Virginia sixty-two to seventeen. It's like you said, it was it, the score. Yeah. Makes it seem like I don't think they have a I don't think they have a win over a top twenty five program unless you count Virginia. But I mean, Virginia could, moved one spot after losing. I mean, they shouldn't be ranked. If you're talking about the when they played them at that moment, A and M was twenty four at the no, time. No, I'm saying so, right now. I mean, after I'm, having two losses. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm just trying to like skew the numbers. No, just, but I'm like, saying right now they aren't. They, overall, these are not great teams. Will Ohio State expose Clemson, or is Clemson for real? And we just have not been talking about them. Clemson is still a team that did not lose, has not lost a game since two years ago, I believe. I, I, I believe they're twenty-seven and zero. Mm-hmm. Twenty-seven and zero. If I know they're two very different programs on two very different levels, but if we said, uh, "Will UCF get exposed?" Like earlier this year, before they lost, mm-hmm. will UCF get exposed by your big play? You know, this year? Pitt, Power yeah. Five team. Yeah. Um, if if you're to compare both situations, I, I mean, Clemson is still. A good team. And Clemson is, can still hang with these guys, I believe. Yeah. And they feel disrespected. Dabo feels disrespected. Obviously, Luke, you're talking about that. And I think he's instilled that instilled that in his team this year where, guys, we're being left out. They're treating us the wrong way. We need to show them who we really are and how good we are. And with Ohio State struggling against Wisconsin, I think Clemson will take the, this one this weekend. Get, the rest of the ACC. Well, not this weekend, yeah, but, up. yeah, coming up. I, but I, I do want to say this. You look at Clemson. And they are not as good as they were in previous years. I think it allegedly comes from the, we don't know. Do we know? <laughs> I think we do know. You can't. I mean, you can't blame Clemson for the ACC, the rest of the ACC being a clown fiesta. I, I, and they never made any game look competitive during their ACC matchups, did they? I mean, you look at it, you look at the UNC game where they where they barely scraped away against a six and six UNC. I mean, they do have Sam Howell, you but still, scare. every team gets a little scary every now and then. But what does this say about? Wait, wait, I think, wait, wait. I think it's going to be like in 2014 when they get exposed in the semifinal and get thrashed. What if I told you they're actually the favorite to win right now? They're favored by two points over Ohio State. That's I, ridiculous. I think I think it's an over. I think it's an overreaction from Wisconsin. I could see that. No, from the Wisconsin game this, uh, right. this past weekend. Georgia was in the playoff picture all the way up until this weekend, with a loss to South Carolina. Yeah, Clemson did not lose a game this season. They had a, they had a scare, but they did not drop a game. I think they can hang with. Uh, they beat South Carolina thirty-eight to three. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? Oh, or no, I'm oh, saying he's saying George I'm was in the conversation. Oh. Wait, am I thinking of Florida? Uh, no, you're thinking of Georgia. Georgia, Georgia lost, lost to South, South Carolina. Carolina. Yes. Yes. Yeah, but Clemson, Clemson smoked no, South, saying, South yeah, Carolina. Yeah, I'm saying the comparison there. Yeah. Tyler. I I disagree with you, Luke. And and I as much as it pains me to say my aunt no, that's is fine. A, a Clemson fan and she's so annoying. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I think Clemson is the best team in the country right now. Uh, LSU is very good. Ohio State's very good. I think Oklahoma's the out, outcast there. But, you know, I think Clemson could – we could very well see back-to-back national champions. You you saw and them in person, that. though. You you have this perspective. Yeah, what did they look like in person? They, I know Florida State was not a good team. No, but they don't make three mistakes. Saw them in they don't make mistakes. The Clemson and, is like it, – it's like the – they're they're like angels. What do, what do we? Make but but when they when they did make mistakes, how mad was Dabo Sweeney oh, when he missed a twenty seven yard field goal? The, the, the account of the accountability was there, which is not something you saw with the Florida State program. Up by what? Wait, we're up by seven or fourteen more, at that oh, point. It was two or three. No, scores. they were up by twenty, and then yeah. he missed another one. I mean, I this is there's there are levels and differences between great teams, and that's what you can argue is that Clemson there is no room for error, but. The problem is, is this is the biggest test. And when when you haven't been pushed to the limit every once in a while, Gary, 
you come be you be, you become complacent. No, and but that's what Dabo is doing with them right now. He's saying we're getting disrespected. He's doing the whole bulletin board material that Nick Saban does all this every time during these games where they're the favorite. They're like up by there's favored by two scores more. He's like somebody in the media said this. Somebody said that we're not the good. We're not the better team right now and right then and there. And he's this is what he does. He's trying to be Nick Saban. I mean, Grant, he's going to be the head coach at Alabama sooner or later. Yeah. Ooh. But, well, don't let that get out too early, Gary. I'm we, sorry. Whoops. <laughs> sources say, but, you know. Yeah. Another point is that Clemson players and coaches have more experience. They've been that be- there before. Trevor Lawrence has a national championship. Justin Fields, it's his first time there actually starting as a quarterback. Ryan Day, it's his first time as a head coach in the playoffs. So, Overall, Clemson is more experienced in those big game aspects. One of those things that, that I saw is it, it, it is pretty wild with the transfer portal and everything. Jalen Hurts is in the playoffs with Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and Alabama is not. Yeah, Justin Fields is in the playoff with Ohio State, and Georgia is not. You look at Joe Burrow, who is in, in the playoffs. So is Ohio with the, yeah. State <laughs> with a transfer. So we have three different quarterbacks with all the the carousel going on. It kind of shows you who you meant say, more to their school. Yeah, <laughs> it, it does. But then it argues that sometimes transferring, looking looking at this playoff, you can say works out for the better. Yeah, free agency ain't a bad thing. <laughs> free agency is not a bad thing. And guys, let's let's get into uh, before we jump on to basketball talk for the last five minutes. We got about three minutes here, two or three minutes. Give us your best bowl matchup that you have this year. Um, there are plenty of them out there. Only one team. I can't remember which team it was. I think it was Tulane. Um, I, I want to say it was Tulane or one of those schools. Was it Tulane? Tulane was the only school who did not get a bid for a bowl game. Uh, y- y- that's just that's tough. I, I imagine winning six games and not being able to go to a bowl game. This is, you know, their send off. You, you Could get, have been Florida State. It, it very well. It was never going to be Florida <laughs> State. But looking at what what you guys have seen. I'm going to steal a pick. I know one of you guys was going to say this, but Washington versus Boise State, to me, has my full attention. That's the most interesting bowl game of the entire year because if if you look at it, it's Chris Peterson going against his former team in, in Boise State. It's December 21st at 730. You got you got to you got to love it. I mean, his send off, he's retiring, resigning, whichever you, you want to say. But for a program, for a guy who put the program on the map, for one last kick at it, and, and really Boise State can say, you know what, you left us in too good a shape heading into that game because Boise State can go for one of those big upsets once again, which they've been known for, Gary. Mm-hmm. Luke, and, the man would disagree. He says out of any team that he could have faced in his last game, Boise State was far and away the least uh, team he would have wanted to play, the last team he wanted to play. Well, well, we're saying it's the one that we want to see him play for sure. That's mm-hmm. a great send-off. But Gary, what do, what do you think of that matchup? I love it. That's it's such a cool one to see because you love to see like those like kind of ones that get kind of brought back. Like you see like an old game like whether it be like I think it was Pitt Penn State was yeah. one of those rivalry games that have been brought back. Yeah, some yeah, some of the times you get a matchup that you rarely see, and this is one of those that you rarely see, and it has some sort of extra meaning. And it's really cool to see Chris Peterson because they're gonna both teams are gonna give him the send off. He like he deserves honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jake, what what is your bowl matchup that that you cannot wait to see? I have to go with Michigan versus Alabama. <laughs> yeah, obviously, that's it's a, a good one. That's a good one. It's a fourteen versus a thirteen, so obviously a great matchup. And Jim Harbaugh, his name's kind of in the dirt. I know it's been for a while. He can't beat Ohio State. He can't beat ranked teams, top ten teams. And I don't know if his job is up in the air right now. So a win against Alabama, I think that would be good for him. But it is a win against a, a Tua-less Alabama. This is so, true. So there are there are things that people can throw in there and say, you know, he wasn't even playing. It's still what Alabama. Is, what does Alabama have to play for? And Yeah, will they even care? Will their players and, and Nick Saban even, even care about going out there since they're not in the playoffs? Does this game even matter to them? And, and you saw that when Alabama played Oklahoma and Trevor Knight years, years ago. Trevor Knight went out and tore up Alabama. You thought he was going to be the next starter. Mm-hmm. Who comes in for Oklahoma? Who was that quarterback? Uh, Heisman Trophy winner Baker Mayfield. Which, wait, which Heisman Trophy winner for Oklahoma? <laughs> Baker Mayfield so came in as a walk-on and beat out Trevor Knight right, right after Trevor mm-hmm. Knight came in there and, and, and crushed Alabama. Tyler. Who do you have for the bowl game to watch? I really like the Outback Bowl with Minnesota-Auburn. 
Um, I want to see how good Minnesota really was. Um, and I also want to see if Auburn, you know, maybe was a little disrespected. Uh, I think that would really show because I think both yep. teams are really good. And, you know, what if Minnesota had a one against Wisconsin? What if they beat Ohio State? Would they have been a championship team? That's really what I want to see. Yeah, that's uh, one of those teams where we were talking about name brand teams that are not necessarily yeah. winning. And do they deserve to be in the playoff? This could be one of those building wins where P.J. Fleck, a lot of people wanted them at Florida State. Yeah. Doesn't happen. I, I like that choice a lot. What so, about the Sun Bowl, too? That's a good one. Uh, Oh boy, Gary! <laughs> Gary, who do you got? Who do you got, Gary? Oh, my bowl game—it's one that's near and dear to my heart. The Bo- the Cherry Bundy Tart Boca Raton Bowl, FAU Conference USA champions. Somebody mute his mic. Conf- <laughs> FAU Conference USA champions take on SMU. That's going to be a good game. That just sounds I, like a home game with extra steps. It is a home game. I'll <laughs> say, I'll say, you know, Gary, that that does look like points to me. That'll oh, be fun. It's points. It's a lot of points scored. Defense is going to be questionable. Call it that. It's going to be an interesting one to does, see out of FAU. Does Lane Kiffin coach, Gary? No, Lane Kiffin won't coach. <laughs> Lane Kiffin was kissing babies out at Ole Miss the other night. But <laughs> he. it's going to be interesting to see how FAU kind of plays without Lane. And it's going to be the defensive coordinator taking over as the interim head coach. So it'll be a lot of fun to see how the Owls respond. Sebastian, who do you got? I've got the Cheez-It Bowl. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, the legendary yes. Cheez-It Bowl. Yeah. It went to overtime 7-7, seven to seven, yeah. right, Gary, last year? I believe – what was it here? Let me look it up. It was one of the worst games Chances of all. Chances are it'll be a much better game this year. Okay, it let's see. Be, it will be Air Force versus Washington State, Washington State okay. being two, – uh, Two opposite sides of the program. Yeah. Air, Air Force being more of a uh, – Triple option. Triple option and, and Washington State trying to throw their arms off. I, I like that matchup a lot. That's That should be fun. Air Force is one of the teams we, it, even though it is an Armed Forces school, it's one of the teams that I think out of the three is the one that's least talked about. They were 9-2 and two this season. Yeah, they had a great, they great had year. a great season. Um, and we all know what Washington State is capable of, so I think you can you can expect a much better game than last year's bowl. Oh, oh right. no, whoa, whoa, whoa. Nothing can top last year's game. That game was... What was, was the score to that game? 10-7. to seven. It went to overtime at 7-7. Seven to seven. <laughs> Who was it, it TCU and Cal? Oh, TCU won ten to well, seven. You want know Gary this year? I guarantee you, they're gonna bring the cheddar. Uh, Thirteen to seven this year. Well, guys, I, I, uh, well, we'll, we'll just mention what Florida State's gonna be playing, and we said it earlier on, but they will be playing in the Sun Bowl against Arizona State, the Fighting Herm Edwardses. Uh, <laughs> so we'll we'll see what that ends up being like. I know that. The quarterback for for the Sun Devils, he was rumored to go to Florida State out of high school. He did not, and he looks like a playmaker for them. I I like the matchup, and uh, a lot of people are saying it's the battle of the party schools. We'll we'll see who comes out on top, Gary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited for this whole. I love bowl season. Bowl season is probably my, one of my favorite times of the year. It's going to be another great season. Well, Gary, let's. We got two minutes left. Let's jump into some basketball talk. Uh, we didn't have enough time, but the Indiana Clemson or the Indiana game. For Florida State did not go to plan. They lost 80-64. to 64. What went wrong in that game? That was a tough one. Indiana, every shot was falling for the Hoosiers out there at Assembly Hall. FSU was struggling to score, and especially in the second half. I believe they went like about five minutes or so without getting a bucket or a field goal at the least. Yeah, and, It and, was tough to watch, honestly. And, and looking at, at the game, I, I thought that Anthony Polite actually had moments where he looked pretty good, and then, and then towards the end he had a couple of turnovers, and you go, why is he on the court? And that ended up changing a little bit later on. But, Jake, what what was your takeaway from the game at Assembly Hall? With with the Indiana game, our free throws were a problem. We, we could not make our free throws. And even in the next game against Clemson, we went 7 for 10. I think we can definitely improve in that aspect. But, Luke, I was going to go off Anthony Ployd as well. I saw some moments where he was the only one on the court hustling, getting rebounds, fighting, uh, getting buckets and steals and turnovers. and. I- I liked his energy, man. It, it looked great, and then and then it kind of came out at the end. He had a couple of turnovers, but he looked like he was trying to turn a corner, and, and that changed in the Clemson game when he did turn a corner. Yeah, I think he went four from four for six from the beyond the arc, or four for seven. He hit four threes in a row. He was shooting the ball. Hamilton was definitely telling him if you're open, shoot the ball, and everything was falling for him. He he got our offense going in the second half in that Clemson game. Tyler, and that's the type of guy that Florida State needs to go. He's been known more for his defensive presence, but 
they need some guy behind Trent Forrest or alongside Trent Forrest to step up, and Anthony Plight has been that guy. Well, yeah, and you look at past Leonard Hamilton teams, how they've been successful, having guys off the bench that can come in and give a spark to the team. And this is this is who we wanted from uh, this is what we wanted from Anthony Plight, and he's finally giving it to us. Gary, looking forward to the to the rest of this basketball season. You don't have to look at the games and, and whatnot. I know that they'll end up playing North. Uh, I think it's North Florida UNF, next. Yep. But how do you feel about this team going into the Christmas break? I got a good feeling about them. They have some easy games coming into. They got US or UNF, USF, and North Alabama before they face their next ACC opponent in Georgia Tech at the Tucker Center. So they're going to have some nice little tune-up games, and Georgia Tech won't even be that tough in my opinion. Yeah, Devin Vassell, Trent Forrest have really put this team on their back. We'll see what ends up happening later on for the season. That's all I got, Gary. I know this is this will be my last show as a student. I graduate on Friday night. It was it was a pleasure being with you, Gary. Oh, uh, love sharing uh, the booth with you for uh, this semester. Yeah, I'll have a I'll have a little bit of an encore coming up, but uh, it, it's been awesome, and uh, this this was always my dream. So for for that, uh, you're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. New release is next. <laughs> 